been playing a significant role in the general decline in public trust in business. The question is, how can new technology assist in recovering it? I'm Grant Woodell Johnson. I'm the tax leader of the Economics and Tax Centre in KPMG Australia. Today we're going to be discussing trust and technology and tax. And joining me is Phil Beswick, a director in tax governance and transformation at KPMG, and Ben Skull, a KPMG director in tax technology. The Edelman Trust Barometer has shown decline in business trust over the last five years, except for a small uptick this year. And tax has played a major role in that. The BEPS debate has been uh, going on since 2013, and we're now uh, moving into a second phase in relation to that debate. We've had parliamentary inquiries into tax avoidance, and we've had a debate about corporate tax rates where a number of popularists um, have raised incredibly unrealistic tax gaps uh, in the corporate tax system. So what role does tax play in restoring public confidence in business? There's a transparency element to that. That's quite a complex thing. It, uh, it needs to uh, not be open to misinterpretation. There's the communication of stronger tax narratives. There's investment in tax technology. And then there's governance. Phil, what do you see as the key trends on tax governance? Thank you, Grant. Yeah, I've, there's a number of trends that that is really having a significant impact uh, out there in the market right now. So we're certainly seeing the impact of the ATO's formal review of tax governance programs that are in multinational groups, and that is as part of their Justified Trust program. They have uh, programs for what they call the Top 100 group, as well as the top 1,000 group, and the ATO in the process of releasing some of the initial findings from, from those reviews. And at the top level, they, they're saying that you know, most, group, most taxpayers, most large taxpayers are paying the right amount of tax to this underlying trust point. Within governance, we are seeing that groups have different levels of maturity, uh, both in the top 1,000 uh, and to a lesser extent in the top 100 program. That means that there's an opportunity to improve governance frameworks uh, and a number of groups are well underway to undertaking the gap analysis if they haven't already done so and uh, fulfilling any gaps. In terms of um, future trends or, or even current trends, uh, one of these is the elevation of tax to the board levels of organisations to a greater extent that, than has existed in many organisations before. I think that's an important trend. Uh, another trend we're seeing is the structured approach to a tax control framework. In the past, it was perhaps uh, there in, in sections of the organisation or certain tax processes, but now it's taken a whole of business, whole of tax approach to managing tax. So what is a good control and, and having those controls in place? And lastly, a key trend is the uh, you know, significant increase in the use of internal audit or similar independent teams to conduct formal testing of tax controls. So we're seeing you know, that really uh, being built out if it has already been there in the past or being created from scratch where it didn't happen previously. Phil, I was reading the tax findings in relation to the Top 1000 program and it seems that one of the weaknesses there is uh, not so much putting the governance framework in place, but making sure that it's operational and it's tested. 
and I think there's one stat there that only 1% of the 280 taxpayers yes. um, that were um, reviewed or had reviews completed had fulfilled that requirement. Um, how, how do you expect that, that to move forward, uh, taxpayers moving into testing that governance framework to get into that 1% or, or how is that working? That's right, and I think that's an important decision that each, each company is now making as to do they want to get to that highest level of assurance in the eyes of the ATO to get uh, to what is called the stage three rating. Uh, and in order to do that, uh, a lot of testing is required. Um, and that's where uh, groups are still developing those programs um, if they haven't got them already or uh, ramping them up. So it's an important decision for each group to make as to what level of testing uh, do, and do, therefore do they want to achieve a higher, higher governance rating from the ATO. But you are right, Grant, there's a small number of people or organisations, I should say, that have achieved uh, a high level of uh, assurance in terms of their governance currently. Uh, many groups are at the um, low, to, low to medium um, in terms of their uh, sophistication in their, in their frameworks, um, but nevertheless a lot of groups are putting in place or building out um, what they have. And how do you see emerging technology in the ATO's digital transformation program as so impacting assessments and governance? Yeah, thank you, Grant. It's a good question. I think we're still still to really know how that really plays out in total. Certainly one of the big um, uh, things to keep in mind with the Top 1000 program and the Top 100 program is now the ATO has a multiple more of data on corporates against which they can run analytics um, and also having uh, a lot of more unstructured data as well, which they can be using um, uh, machine learning and the like to be looking for for patterns and information. And I think, you know, I'm sure Ben will be talking to this, you know, but one of the key themes for all taxpayers now is to be very conscious of what their data is looking like in terms of their confidence levels and having in view of, of that data that's going to the regulators, not just here in Australia, but around the world, you know, what are the key controls in place uh, that they need to have and how they strengthen, strengthen those controls. Ben, if I can turn to you now, um, tax leaders, how are they using technology to redesign the role of tax in developing organisational trust? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Grant. And <clears throat> this is a good lead-in from what Phil was actually just talking about. The, the assessments that the ATO are doing now are, I think, driving um, two results. Firstly, they are helping internal tax functions highlight to their leaders and to the board that the need of these technology solutions to be able to assess and analyse their data to feel confident in what they are providing to the tax office. And secondly, these assessments are actually rightly or wrongly helping them get funding when they aren't typically doing what the tax office expects either. So those those organisations that may not have put the technology in place are using it as a way to say up the line, we now need this. Interestingly, what's happening, Grant, um, in the marketplace is tax functions are now saying, what technology through the organisation is being used where non-tax people are making tax decisions? And there's a couple of good examples there. So procurement teams are now using 
very sophisticated technology to manage their spend. And these technology solutions are determining the tax that they are paying to their suppliers. And even on the sales side, you have sales reps, account managers, who are using technology to invoice customers and determining what GST should apply on an invoice where the work may be offshore, the product may be in another country. So tax teams are now saying, how do we spread ourselves across the organization to ensure that any of these technology solutions that are helping businesses tax has the ability to ensure that they are the ones making the determination on sales and purchasing. They're able to do that now because unlike five, 10 years ago, we have the analytics tools, we have the capabilities to screen our data and redetermine what is the right amount of tax or be comfortable that we're charging our customers or paying our suppliers the right amount of tax. And if you start from an indirect tax perspective, you get a long way down the track to being more accurate from a direct tax perspective as well. So the organization starts to be more comfortable that as a whole, the technology they have in place and are adopting is making the right tax decisions. I was in a meeting the other day with a very senior um, ATO official and he mentioned a paper which said is your spreadsheet a tax evader and he and it was actually written in 2000 because I googled it <laughs> um, but the observation that was made was that complex spreadsheets tend to have errors in them but there's a cognitive bias if it produces an outcome that you think is a bad outcome you can say well that can't be right and you go and check that and you, you find the errors on that side but if it's a good outcome, are you just pleased with the benefit of it and you just move on? So he was saying that um, many systems errors are actually underpayments of tax. And I found that, that very interesting, whereas others in the room thought, well, surely they, they balance each other out. But that's, that's obviously not the case. Very, very true. And we hear it time and time again. And I think organisations are now focused on the fact that the ATO themselves they have the latest technology grant. They can screen your data like Phil was talking about earlier. They are investing in tools like blockchain, machine learning. If you provide them their data, your data, they will very quickly be able to tell you where the gaps are. And, and underpayments is, is definitely a, a theme. Okay, so if you're a tax leader, what are the first steps that you think you need to uh, adopt in relation to embracing technology? I think there's, there's three parts which are very important. You need a compelling reason for the business to invest in tax technology. Tax functions are not necessarily going to get the budgets they want to improve. So what they need to do is look for three things. Firstly, what are the ATO interested in from um, an audit or an assessment perspective? Is that enough of a catalyst to say up the line, can we have some funding 
what can we put in our business case to show that we'll keep the ATO um, confident that we are producing the right results. Secondly, the finance transformations. If you look at where technology is now going, everyone is adopting cloud technology. IT functions have very, very big budgets to implement new solutions. How does tax take a piece of that in their desire to improve their systems and processes? And then last but not least, I think we all face a challenge of headcount. Organisations are trying to be smarter, do things with less people. How does a tax function, a head of tax, how do they look at what the cost of people are versus the latest and greatest software that's now available at very good rates through allowing uh, your solutions to be hosted in the cloud and therefore the cost of implementing these tools has come down quite significantly. So when I talk uh, to clients, it's about those three areas to build the business case to adopt latest technology. And Phil, can we turn to going back to governance, I suppose, what's the advantage of being in the top layers um, of the ATO's view of um, a corporate? Yes, so there's, I think always think there's two parts to that. One is certainly from the ATO's point of view, uh, the you know, strong expectation is the intensity of subsequent review by the ATO or uh, further questions uh, will be lessened uh, for the for the next uh, period. And that period will determine on whether you're a top 100 program or, or top 1,000. So if you're in top 100, they're basically saying over a three-year cycle, they'll give you more intensity in that first year, much less intensity in the second year, and then refresh where you're at in year three. For the top 1,000 program, they're saying they'll do the review, issue the streamlined insurance report, and based on what's in that report, they'll, they'll come back to you. Um, if, of course, you've got less in that report, and less in that report from a governance point of view, then they're going to be less questions from them in the future. So, so I guess the payoff is really uh, from ATO's point of view or your relationship with the ATO point of view is a, is a less uh, intensive experience from them in the past. I think putting aside that ATO dimension, hopefully, and perhaps most importantly, is the level of comfort though groups get, heads of tax, CFOs uh, obtain, uh, from having in place a more robust governance framework, a structured governance framework for tax as they would for any other risk in the organisation. And that's certainly, you know, for those CFOs and heads of tax that are really you know, invested in this and, and have seen the benefits over time, you know, this theme of, of confidence or trust uh, is, is a really big benefit and sometimes underestimated in terms of what it really means in terms of um, over or underpayments of tax, uh, you know, interest penalties and, and the like. So it's, um, you know, there's a real, the real, there, always say there are real business benefits from good go governance. It's not just a, a nice to have or a nice philosophical point. There are plenty of um, studies to show that good governance in general helps produce better commercial outcomes over time. Phil Berswick, um, KPMG Director of Tax Governance and Transformation. Thank you very much. And Ben Skull, KPMG Director, Tax Technology. Thank you. I'm Grant Wardell Johnson. Thank you for your time today. Um, if you'd like to email us, you can email us to kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Um, I'd like to mention a webinar in August that's occurring in relation to trust and technology. And of course, please register for Tax Now to receive um, continuous updates in your industry um, on tax matters. Thank you very much.